Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is uh, PT coming at you with another Word of the Week. We are having an amazing topic today. We got a group of people here to address a difficult situation that is heard in the Christian world. If you guys have been sleeping under a rock, you probably have not heard about this. But if those of you guys who read a book here and there, you would have known that um, there have been huge scandals in the Christian community regarding people of of high caliber faith that you would call their heroes. People like Ravi Zacharias um, and uh, Carl Lentz from Hillsong Church. And today I want to I wanna address this topic head on and ask the question, what do we do when the heroes that we have placed on the pedestal, the, the pretty much the marker of our faith, uh, falls? What do we do? What do we do as a church? What do we do as a community? What do we do as a body? What do we do as leaders? Right? And so if you're out there, and, you, and these are some of the questions that you've been kind of wrestling with, I hope that this panel tonight, uh, today, will actually help and give you uh, comfort, wisdom, and discernment how to move forward with your people uh, going forward. So I want to introduce, I want to actually have them introduce themselves, this panel that we have going for you guys. They come from all walks, walks of life, all areas and stages of life, but um, we're here to discuss one part of it, which is uh, how to give God glory in the midst of the situation. So uh, go ahead. Hello, everyone. My name is Jay, and um, I am a pastor at GOND Church, and I'm the youth and EM pastor. And I am currently going to seminary at uh, a university called Podesta. I don't know why I pointed it to Kevin, but (laughs) (laughs) he goes to a very good theological seminary. He's very proud of it. He'll tell us us about it soon. (laughs) He will will, uh, promote it in a second here, and so that's going to be nice. Um, And I'm also a high school teacher. I teach math and computer science, and I'm very, very grateful to be here. All right. Thank Thank you so much for coming out, man. We really appreciate you. Um, My name is Kevin Jung. Um, I'm a high school teacher as well. I teach English 3 at Elmo K College Prep in Memphis. Um, I currently go to a seminary like Jay, um, best seminary in the world, SBTS, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, a flagship of our denomination. Um, so cute. So our cute. leader can do no wrong, so Albert cute. Moeller. He's the Pope. Wait. So um, our, our conversation is about what happens when we put heroes of the faith on high. Anyways. Right? So, exhibit hey. <laughs> Hebrews says exhibit Christian a. heroes are okay. <laughs> Christian heroes are okay. Um, I... I'm currently a pastoral intern at Bethany Baptist Church. Um, most importantly, a Christian. Second, I am uh, the boyfriend to Casey Tran. We look forward to uh, hearing more from you today, KJ. Really Thanks, appreciate buddy. you coming out. Yeah, I appreciate you coming out too. Thanks. Hi, I'm Kevin Liu. I come out from Arcadia, but I go to church in Chinese Christian Family Church. You'll mm-hmm. find Chinese Christians and families there. And me as well. I'm a faithful member and I work with youth. Are you Chinese? Yes, I am. Do you have a family? I do have a family. Uh, I see how you got that. <laughs> you got the two check boxes. Yeah, I know. And Christian too. Oh, um, you got three. Most importantly, quoted Kevin Jung. Um, We're so witty. <laughs> but, but anyway, anyway, I'm a, I'm a grad student right now uh, studying to be an educational counselor in a higher edu- in, in college. And I think that's it. I'm right-handed. Um, I'm not ashamed of my left-handed writing. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. Well, so glad to have you to come out with us today too. Um, for the rest of you guys who don't know, my name is Tony. Uh, people at this church call me PT. I am associate pastor at True Love Community, and um, we're here to address again a very difficult topic. When, what do we do when we have heroes of the faith like um, Ravi Zacharias, well-known, respected author, apologist, 
ministries who've connected to people across the world, brought many people to salvation. What do we do when a an issue like sexual misconduct or sexual scandal, right, mm. comes out after he dies? You know, like how do we respond to that? And then also uh, the caveat that was is with uh, Carl Lentz, a uh, very popular pastor who was able to contextualize the gospel for a group of people that usually most Christians, you know, sadly to say, would kind of just pass off because it's just impossible to reach or too hard to reach. Uh, a pastor like that, what happens when misconduct happens and, you know, and, and, and he falls from grace? So uh, we're here to, to address that. I hope that this conversation will do you guys good and uh, be a blessing for everybody. So I guess I'll just start off the, com- the question with, you know, uh, with this scenario going on, what what do you guys think are some of the biblical principles that we can uh, start off and take away that our churches can 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 hear from us and and say, you know what, yeah, these are some of the principles that I should start mm-hmm. thinking about as I'm thinking about the issues of Rabbi Zacharias and Carl Lentz. You know, so uh, won't you guys go? KJ, won't you start off? Yeah, I think uh, looking into the lives of both men, I think the biggest principle that we can kind of um, layout there is uh i think we're impressed by the wrong things um just as a community um uh, maybe potentially uh, as a church as a body of believers um so i think with carl lenz his his attraction his pull was his personality right it's his celebrity status um and it's insane like we have people that are waiting in line to get into his church um he never interacts with the congregation he kind of rolls in gives a sermon rolls out right and um i think there was an oppression there that had nothing to do with his character, who he was, just uh, his status. Um, with Ravi, right, I think we were impressed by his eloquence, his ability to teach, um, to um, put together arguments, his intellect. Um, and these things are what gravitated people towards him. Um, and we were impressed by that. Um, but uh, we see in uh, 1 Timothy 3, 1 Peter 5, Titus 1, that uh, the qualifications of a pastor is not your competency um, by the world standards. It's not your organizational skills. Um, it's your character. It's uh, are you self-disciplined, right? Do you have uh, self-control? Uh, one man, one wife. Can you teach, right? Do you have a heart for these people? Um, do you fall into drunkenness? Like these are all character qualities. Um, and maybe as a church, like these are the things that we ought to look for: is do you have a life of confession? Um, are you humble? And uh, these things are the things that should stir up a kind of an affection for us. Yeah, I totally agree because the foundation of all leadership is is character. It, it is not about how much skills you have or what giftedness you you you, you come into the game with. It's really about the character to do um, the work that God's given to you. And yeah, so I think that is a great uh, first principle to look at is character of a person. Right? What about you, Kay? Um. So I, I think I. I personally I would like to take a step um, kind of before the discovering the biblical principles mm. uh, at least for me that was the, the steps that I took personally for me to yeah. uh, get to the biblical principles like uh, KJ was talking about at least for me um, it was pretty shocking mm. <laughs> like honestly like I, as, as soon as I heard about this I couldn't sleep for the last like two days mm. and all I thought about was how can Rob? It was Ravi Zacharias, y'all. Yeah. Like, how can somebody of that caliber, mm-hmm. or somebody who is you know preached to maybe millions of people, has impacted millions of people's life, do something like this? And so for me, uh, it was like for the first couple of days, it was just very um, almost like traumatic. 
and it was very devastating. I felt a lot of betrayal, and so um, I, I think I am sure a lot of the people who are watching this, and maybe the people who've heard about this, are probably feeling the same way. And so my my message, or the first step, I think that we should take is uh, to first acknowledge and to be able to verbalize and to be able to put into words how you're feeling. Because a lot of times when you feel like this stuff. People might say, "Hey, like, stop feeling this way." Well, that's not true. You're feeling the way that you're feeling, and it's important for us to process that. And then, when we process our feelings properly, then we're at a good heart state uh, for us to process things intellectually, and then now jump into、uh, the biblical principles. And so, my message in the beginning is, "Hey, if you're devastated, hey, we're all right there with you. The church is right there with you. If you're being、uh, feeling betrayed, that's that's." That's normal, and、um, you're not weird for feeling that way. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. You know, I don't really post a lot about people on my Facebook, but Ravi Zacharias, when he passed away, he was the only guy I actually ever kind of like gave a lot of love and props to. And so when the whole thing came out, I was, I was full of shame and kind of guilt of just like what's going on. So I, I think I think you, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's before we even jump into anything, we have to process what's going on in our mind, so that way we can at least clearly. And、um, objectively approach the situation rather than just jumping into it、um, with、um, full-on anger, you know,、um, vengeance or judgment upon upon the situation. I think that's it's important, and, and it also helps us, right? When we begin to process what's going on in our hearts, we are we are freeing ourselves up to really receive instructions and growth from that. What do you think, brother?、Uh, well. I, I think I want to address something Jay said about you know before we address the biblical principle. Let's talk about our emotions. I think it actually is biblical to talk about emotions. There are many times in the Bible where you know God meets people where they're at, and He asks and He has them express their emotions, right? Because like for example, when before Jesus wept, right, He had Mary you know basically telling Jesus what how she felt. She she said, "Hey, if you were here, He wouldn't have died," right? And she didn't try to justify or cover it up. But and then that, I think that I think that it seemed like you know her Jesus' response to it was very soft and and loving and that's he wept afterward and so I think you know when it comes to processing emotions, it's important to know that God does care and does listen as well as you know the biblical principles as well. And while on topic of emotions, I I do I think one thing that does come to mind is I feel really sad just thinking about this. I mean I wasn't a Big fan of Ravi or Carl, not not any like no shade, but I just wasn't. You no, know, I didn't really follow them too much. <laughs> What does shade mean? <laughs> we don't, we don't like him. Oh, really? Like him. Yeah, like, we、okay. like Ravi. But what、well, we did? Okay. Let's go pretend I knew what shade meant. I'm just not. I wish I was cool as、uh, you guys, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Good. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I I actually had a similar encounter. Three years ago, with another pastor who I looked up to a lot,、mm-hmm. you know, I spent a lot of my commutes listening to his sermons, and in a sense, I felt like I was discipled by him.、Mm-hmm. And when it came out that he was committing adultery and he had to step down, that came as a shock. And I think that summer was when I realized, shoot, if someone who knows the Bible so well was able to fall like that, dude, what hope do I have, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah, it's 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 a huge. Shocker, because I I think you know KJ was right when he says that we 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 focus on the wrong things sometimes. We focus on eloquence and 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 these things, and we lift them up. And by lifting them up, we end up、um, 
breaking the basic principles. And then we find ourselves in a place that's really broken, lost, confused, and having the process with all this stuff going on, right? I, um, from a, from a, from pastor's point of view, when I, when I went, when I experienced this, like, my natural instinct was to just jump to a conclusion and just kind of like go one or the other. And I think that's, that's usually the big problem is, is people like to jump to the extremes of situations. One extreme would be, well, now because Robbie Zacharias or Carl Lentz have done this atrocious thing, right? Um, I can't trust any other Christian leader ever, ever again, you know? And, and if you're a Christian, if you say that, that's, that's really scary for me because the Bible clearly says in you know Hebrews thirteen that obey your leaders and 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 listen to them because they have to give account of your souls. Right? And so there there's a clear commandment from God that it is a good thing to obey. And it's a good thing to submit under spiritual authority. So when we jump to an extreme that says never again, that freaks me out, right? But then on the other side, when we jump to the other extreme, we say, you know, well then this is why I can't believe in Christianity. No, hold on, right? Did Jesus Christ arise from the dead? If he did, then you know, that does not take away from the, the, the problem with Ravi or Carl Lentz does not take away from the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The Christian message is still true in spite of the people, right? And so that's that's usually my, my, my take for us is just kind of pause and just kind of ex, ex, um, examine the extremes that's out there and come to a place where you're like, hey, am I able to approach this in a more graceful uh, manner, right? And um, yeah, I think... The other thing is is this the spirit of superiority that comes out sometimes is that hmm. how could so and so do that you know like how could so and so make that make that judgment right and when we have that kind of spirit it, it it takes away from the cross directly because we forget that we're sinners saved by grace too right? we, we we forget that you know it took the death of the Son of God to save us and so what arrogance do we have to jump into the extreme of vilifying and condemning a person so dramatically and so horrifically you know this is like this guy must not be a christian how he, he must be completely and totally evil i don't know right because ravi zach and i'll be honest ravi zacharias was actually one of my heroes right i mean i i struggled with ministry for a long time he helped give words to a lot of things i've done and so the bible says you will know the fruit you will know a tree by its fruit and I believe his fruit is good, but at the same time, there is this really dark part of his life that 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 that's that's revealed itself. So, you know, I I just don't have the 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 gumption to jump into a a, a point of judgment so strong and so powerfully. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think addressing kind of the end of what you said and cross points of what Tony said, I think. Uh, I think you made a really good point at the end where you said if someone is so well-versed in scripture, like, what hope do we have? I think that's important, is that we don't. Like, every one look that we have in ourselves, we should be looking ten times on Christ. And I think that's why what Tony said is so important about uh, that all of us are fallible to sin. And um, I think, uh, like, you mentioned, you know, like, we want to see... Uh, the fruits of the person. I think uh, there's no fruits as I think clear and visible as the ones that are in your personal life. Um, I think you can parrot all you can when you're up there on stage, mm -hmm. but if you have no local body holding you accountable, if you feel like you know th there's no one surrounding you, walking with you, um, 
it's really easy to hide your personal things, like personal life. Um, and it's easy to fall into sin. I think we should, uh, if there's anything like that we ought as a church draw from this is that all of us are fallible to sin. Like we can think to ourselves like, oh yeah, like I would never do that, right? Um, that's not true. Um, all of us are capable of doing that because we're all sinful people. Um, that's why accountability is so important. Like James 2.10, we ought to not underestimate sin. We break one sin, we're uh, culpable for all. How would, I mean, let me push back. How do you, how do you determine whether what fruits he was able to have or not have to yeah. make to make that call i think uh the the fruits i think what we measure a man from is um not like the again like we mentioned this before the eloquence or the arguments he's able to construct because all this like ultimately is from the bible right and if we're looking at i think the lens of his salvation of his personal life like repentance right i think this is panel penultimate to uh how he's dealing with sin right and for me uh, i think if there's clear evidence that there's unrepentant sin right this is something how he's been heralding like kind of like uh, i think what jay you said like how can someone persist in their ministry um when they're holding like you know these un unrepentant sins mm -hmm. and the fact that he's hardened his heart to the point where this has been kept hidden for like two three years right um, or maybe a lot more we don't know um I think that's a symptom for me that uh, he made peace with it and he just kind of moved forward with it. Um, yeah. Mm. He also didn't have a local church. I think that's big. Like, mm. if you don't have a church walking with you, like, that, that's the guideline. That's the safeguard that God has provided for your um, for your walk with Christ. Um, if you don't have that barrier, like a boundary for you, you know, people looking at your life, um, we're going to stray away. Anybody want to respond to that? Or? Well, I want to, um, I'm going to go piggyback off what Pastor Tony talked about. Actually, I prepared a little bit, <laughs> um, actually for like not two hours. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit as uh, two hours now. This is not going to be a two-hour <laughs> podcast, don't worry. It will be. He's lying to you. Uh, no, uh, but what Pastor Tony was talking about, um, basically, I'm going to kind of piggyback off what he said. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, we have the question of, you know, um, do we dismiss like everything that Ravi Zachariah said, like his eloquence, right? Um, and I guess I actually, what I'm talking about is a little bit off topic of what you guys said, but I'm just gonna go for it. Do it. Yeah, so, you prepare for I prepared it. You prepare for it. I prepare for it. I prepare for it. Right I'm not this for was going to be a personal interview. <laughs> yeah, no. You're like, where is, like, where is these people you know, coming you know, from? It's like, you know what? They have stuff to say. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just going to go for it. Jay's it. word of the week. And so, Jay's um, word of the week. You know. What's this editor? Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Uh, it's okay. Go for it, man. Um, so, I, um, I really do want to, you know, answer the question that uh, I think a lot, I, like I had to. You know, yep. one of the questions that I, I was kind of asking to myself um, is, uh, you know, like what Pastor Tony was talking about in terms of vilifying somebody like that. And so I think um, I, I think I'm on the same page with Pastor Tony here in, in that, you know, um, you know, to say something like if we're asking the question, how can somebody like that do something like this? Mm -hmm. uh, if somebody of that high caliber do something like this? Um, and I think implicitly what some of us might be thinking is if I were in that situation, I wouldn't do that same thing. But the thing is, I believe that um, if you are thinking that, that actually might be referring to 
um, even your pride, uh, even uh, because uh, in Jeremiah, I think um, one of the scriptures. It's <laughs> one of them. One of them. One of them. Some the Sons, some First Five yeah. Timothy. No, I'm just just Google it. Yeah. Google it. Um, that's, it says, that's why I invented it. <laughs> yeah, it talks about something about like the heart being very, very deceitful. Yeah, who agreed. can trust it? Right. Yep. And I think for those of us who think like, how can Ravi do something like this? Like that is something that if I were in that situation, I would never do. Mm. Uh, I think that person has a misunderstanding and I'm talking intellectual part here mm, right now. Um, not with the really the deep hurt that he has caused, but more of the yes. intellectual part. But yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that person might have a misunderstanding of the s- sinfulness of man. Mm. And just how evil man can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And the person who thinks that Mm -hmm. actually um, doesn't have a proper understanding of the sinfulness of man. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually prepared an example. Is that okay if I share an example? You have my permission. (laughs) I'm excited actually. (laughs) So if you look at like like Boromir, Lord of the Rings fans in here? Lord of the Rings? Anyway, <laughs> well, <there's, laughs> nobody watched. Anyways, Boromir. Boromir, yeah, dude. Yeah, my, my man. Captain. <laughs> uh, oh, so, Captain Mike. <laughs> so, so Boromir, right? One. Yep. There was a there was a ring and represents a lot of power and also I think it might be representing sin to a certain degree, and so Boromir was like, you know what? We could use this ring for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he didn't realize was he didn't recognize how powerful this ring could be and how much evil pull that he has or this ring has. And so what caused him to believe that he can control such power? Well, I believe that it was his pride. And so just throughout this entire time, you know, yeah. eventually, you know, he comes to the position where he's about to like kill Frodo and damage him and hurt him and things like that. Yeah. And he comes at the end and he realizes um, oh my gosh, I'm about to kill my best friends. Yeah. And so how did he get to that point? Well, I believe that he got to that point because uh, he was prideful and he thought to himself that, you know, somebody like me would not give into a sin like the ring. Mm-hmm. But obviously he did because at the end he's about to kill, you know, Frodo and he after he realizes, oh my gosh, I messed up. Yeah. You know, and so that just goes to show that, you know, the people who think that they're above sin the people who think that like if they were put in that same situation with Ravi would not do something that Ravi did um, might be a misunderstanding just how devastating our sinful nature is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you are thinking that you might be uh, experiencing something called pride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if I was Ravi, I probably would have done the same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> good, thing I, good thing I don't have power. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, I am. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I, I, it's when you think that you can stand, then you're standing, then you're more prone to falling. Yeah. And so it, it's scary to think that mm-hmm. what, how much power, like pow- a little bit of power it can do to you. I mean, I don't even have that much power and like, I'd still power trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I so, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with you in the idea that uh, we we need to check our own eye right before we look at the sponge of someone else's, um, and we're all culpable to sin. I think I fully agree with you on that. Kind of like what you said, Kevin, as well. Um, I think that being said, I think the caveat I want to add to this conversation is uh, I think um, just like looking through Peter, First Peter two, um, 
I think we're still called to identify false prophets and false teaching. And uh, I think there's a strictness to that. Um, there's For sure, there's a level of grace. Um, but I think uh, in order to kind of, especially like with high figure level, you know, profile characters like this, um, I think it's, it's clear that we need to also identify like, okay, like, yes, if we were in that position and we were not following Christ, like we're all culpable to that sin. That being said that these people who have done these sins, like this is, I like, I think Ravi is a false teacher. Um, I think Carl Lentz, um, I don't know yet because, you know, he's still in his life. I think he could still come to Christ. Like, I think repentance is still there. Um, but for, uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, let, me, let me push you that. back on that one. Yeah. What makes a, what does the Bible say uh, is a false teacher? The characteristic of a false teacher? One that misleads the flock. In um, what way? I think, because like, he, I think, uh, Ravi Zacharias, I think he, the the things that he says in his eloquence, right? The, the authority from that all comes from the scripture, right? Like, we don't attribute that to Ravi. We attribute that to Christ. And like, you know, Christ uses evil for his good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though if you ever read or quote ravi to a non-believer the credibility of that is gone right and i think a lot of people kind of look towards that and follow that especially people around his personal life right i don't think that with them emulating his character will lead to godliness um in that sense like with i think accentuating to uh i think maybe i'm a little bit more afflicted because i've like i think the way that he abused his power, I think, at least with the transcripts of the messages that's been reported so far, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I don't think anyone here pretty is, satanic. Yeah, I don't think anyone here is going to deny the fact that what he did was agreed is is yeah. is, is not is is, is yeah. good, right? Yeah, like, and if you read the transcript, you would probably yeah, say, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, I read it like ten times because I couldn't yeah. like I couldn't believe right what I was reading. Voice. Yeah, I, I, I try my best. I try my best to emulate it. You know, like yeah. and um, yeah. you know, like even even Jesus said, you know, mm-hmm. listen to the teachers for what they proclaim is truth, mm-hmm. right? Although they may not actually do the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then First John 4 talks about how do you identify a false prophet, a false spirit, right? It's one who does not declare the sovereignty of who God is, who Jesus Christ is, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have a hard time listening, for, 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 being, for listening to Ravi Zacharias through the years, mm-hmm. to come to the conclusion that the man did not declare who Jesus Christ is, and his mm-hmm. and, and his work and his and his sovereignty and his and his grace, right? Mm-hmm. I that I think that's probably why I I'm a little bit more um I'm not I say I'm a little bit more hesitant to jump onto this. He's a he's a false prophet, yeah. Kind of conversation, right? Because yeah. I think he is he was he misled the 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 flock through his character mm-hmm. but i don't think he misled the flock through what he taught right yeah not in what he taught like yeah. i it, uh-huh. because in in philippians 2 or 1 or something paul paul says like there are some people who preach the gospel but not for you know the right reasons mm-hmm. right but he still praises god for the message mm-hmm. even though yeah. the people did not have the right motives yeah and so i think with ravi it's it, it to me it seems like a big jump to say that you know because of what he's done in private which mm-hmm. he did not preach to tell people to do mm-hmm. that just 
that discredits all that he does and just like makes all his teachings false. Yeah. But but then again, now that we know all of this, like can we still listen to what he says and still mm, it's like hard. It's, it's hard. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, it's hard. Yeah, that, yeah. that pastor I mentioned like a few summers ago, yeah. like I I all of his sermons got taken down and at first I'm like, oh no, I should have saved them all, right? Yeah. Mm. Because I can still get something from this. But afterwards I realized I can't listen to it the same way anymore. Because yeah. especially after he preached Psalm 51 and how the importance of fighting sexual sin, I'm like, no, I can't. Like the, the character ruins it. And so the same thing with Ravi, even though what he preached probably you know, wasn't, wasn't completely false, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was still good, right? But the character attached to it just disqualifies all of it. Yeah, that's the problem. It's just, you know, the Bible is right when it says that, you know, the Gentiles blasphemes my name because of you, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the harshness of it. So just just to kind of bring uh bring this first part to a to a uh, to a summary is, um, it's 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 such an important principle for our people uh, to understand that it, it's 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 more than just um, jumping into something, but it's 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 a discernment of what's going on in, in your own heart yeah. as you are addressing these things, right? And 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 I think that's one of the first things we we, we need to think about because. Our emotions, our thoughts, you know, and what's 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 going on? Our, our anger, our, our afflictions, you know, these things. We need to um, deal with these things first, right? And understand why we're being torn in, in in certain ways, and then come to a place before we, as we let the spirit of God come in and begin to like work that truth in us, and begin to minister to us in such a way where we can actually be people of grace, people of light, and people who are going to be a blessing rather than. Um, a people that is going to uh, destroy, right, and bring uh, a people that's going to bring flourishing instead of actually destruction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's why I'm I'm, I'm coming at it. So no. I mean, off of that too, uh, with processing it, not like being so quick to say something mm-hmm. in proverbs, something. Um, <laughs> one of the proverbs. One of the proverbs. Uh, yeah. Just 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 quote what I say on Google, yeah. and you'll yeah. find yeah. a verse. <laughs> but um, a fool vents a spirit, mm-hmm. but a wise man quietly holds it back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you when you come across these like having these heavy emotions, right? It's really easy for us to want to just let it all out, right? And just start pointing fingers. But the wisdom of Proverbs or God God's wisdom tells us to you know, to don't not be so quick to let it out mm-hmm. and just quietly hold it back and like submit it to Him. Yeah. Don't be angry, but don't sin. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's, that's a good word. That's I think that's a great way to end this first topic. Yeah. How about that? We go on to the next one. Yeah. yeah so. The people who were abused by these two figures, you know, they were they were people who were substantially hurt, but they were also people who they were also people who um, were abused. And so I'm just wondering, you know, what's what do you think is something that us as you know, shepherds are our respective flocks, are people who we minister? Um, what is something that we can do to equip the people we minister to 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 be safe from abusive shepherds like oh abusive shakers like um Carl and Ravi. Mm. Mm. Wanna... Yeah. I'll answer uh, my own question. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> this is one of the questions that I did not prepare for. Just letting you guys know. You. But I can still answer. Yeah. Wait, you jump you dropped two hours on the first one. <laughs> no. I had more well, to say. I was like, Oh, well, I can't yeah, say it right now. It's too late. Uh Circle back to it. Circle back to it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, KJ. Yeah, I think uh, I 
I think that's it's like a, a twofold answer here, right? I think number one, something that the the pastor can do is to uh, I think genuinely just teach what kind of questions to ask their pastors. Mm. Um, like, hey, these are the like I think through um through teaching, right? Like, these are the questions that are helpful for you to ask me. Like, ask me if I've been confessing sin, right? Um, get lunch with me. I think uh we need to deprofessionalize the the office of pastors. Um, recognize that they're also sheep and that like we've been saying for this entire topic is they are um, culpable to falling or fallible to falling and so I think uh, first would be to kind of teach the flock to ask them questions and to view them right as part of the congregation um, invite them to hit me up <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um, the third the second thing that I think uh, pastors can do um, to protect the flock safeguard the flock um, is to have a plurality of elders, like have a group of pastors, but not be a single pastor. I think having multiple pastors is helpful um, because like these are the people that are going to be seeing the pastor um, in both like the planning stages, right? Um, in different walks of life. And uh, that's something that I think Ravi lacked. Um, and uh, I think it's wise for us to learn from that. Let me ask you a question. How do you how do you safeguard um someone like that? Because what I, what I what I see and you guys can push back on this is oftentimes if someone is talented enough, right, and someone is gifted enough, most of the time, even among leadership, there's a um, there's a level of uh, of kind of turning the other turn, turning a blind eye to it. Right, even if there is a group of elders or accountability, they say, you know what, he's. I guess it's a work righteousness, and they're like, you know, he's doing pretty good. You know, like he's. This is just probably one issue that he has, or maybe it's just something that he's just struggling with at the time. And how 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 do we, how do we prevent that from happening? And how do we prevent? How do we stop that from, um, becoming the the problem? Because again, if if the if the pastor sucks. It's easy to call him out, right? I mean, it's it's like you you you're a sinner, right? But the pastor is talented and gifted and, and is able to do the things that these leaders were able to do. It becomes a little bit harder to call it out, right? And so, how how, how do we safeguard against that? What do you guys think? I'm uh, very excited to pitch this because this is where I can now share Southern Baptist ideals here. <laughs> Are they at ready? least from the Bible, ready though? <laughs> you ready for this? Yes, it is. Act six. Yeah. Yeah. He was ready way. right here. Yeah. Wait, do you have Act six? I was already yeah. Act six. I got this. The best way that we can protect against personality worship like that is congregation rule. Right. It's number one. I think having instead of like having a small group of people. I think uh, keep uh, like I think uh, keep the pastor accountable, right? It should be the congregation that votes for the decisions of this pastor, right? So, um, recognizing that every person in the congregation is embedded with the Holy Spirit, but not only that, I think the pastor and the church ought to equip the congregation with a like a good understanding of biblical theology, right? Because if the congregation understands what to look for, um, then they're going to be able to see through I think talent and look for I think like the the symptoms of potential sin, right? Or the symptoms of uh, a humble heart. And so it's 
one empowering the congregation by teaching from the Bible, recognizing they all have like this uh, this potential for spiritual growth, right? And empowering them and giving them the ability to exercise on that by letting them vote. What do you think my take? Well, um, I'll, I'll just go, and you can just go later. <laughs> <We're> like, ah. <laughs> so I'm actually gonna, um, I'm actually learning a lot, um, just in terms of accountability right now. And I, I if I can, um, uh, to be a little bit vulnerable here, is even like as I was trying to answer this question, it really pointed to me, and I was like, Jay, you're a pastor, and really you don't have a lot of accountability. And Ravi Zacharias was almost an eye opener for me. And um, and it really the thing that was good about Ravi Zacharias is uh, that sounds so bad, but you know the the good that comes out for me personally mm-hmm. is uh, it revealed in my life how much accountability I lacked, and so it really opened my eyes to that and the importance of that as a pastor. And then you you think like as a pastor, like of course you have accountability, right? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I really don't. And so um, I, I do have with my pastors, but I want like you're preaching today, Pastor Tony, about friendship, brothers that you can walk with. And so after I realized this, I, I started taking practical steps. So I started meeting with Kevin every single Wednesday uh, from 530 to 6. And so we're keeping each other accountable. Shoot. And so that's really Oh, is that too old? I don't know. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> you know, that's really cool. And I, I got a couple of phone numbers mm-hmm. today with Jeremiah um, just to keep him more in contact. And he said four brothers. And so I'm looking for three. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, you know, this question, I felt like, man, as a pastor, I'd be able to give an answer. But to be honest, I'm in, this, in a position where I'm searching for an answer for myself. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there was a there's a lot of things <laughs> that was brought up. Yeah, for sure. Sorry for putting you on the spot there, bro. <laughs> it's all good. I thrive under the spotlight. <laughs> um, I think in terms of what we can do, it's yeah, it's giving helping the congregants have a robust understanding of the word, mm. and inviting them in to look in our lives. And really de-escalating that like power structure within the church. I mean, when uh, when the different types of roles were listed in the Bible, right, or in some of the letters, yeah. you know, there was no like hierarchy of like who's more important, whatnot. Like everyone has a part to play. Everyone's a body part in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, it's important for us to recognize that everyone has a role to play, and not not put someone on a pedestal like that mm-hmm. but also i but also as we're as you're talking about equipping the congregants like of if you see a pastor who is abusing the power and not living you no know, biblically right mm-hmm. the sad thing is a lot of people who do see this they would rather just leave the church yeah. mm-hmm. instead of staying yeah. and wanting to help right mm-hmm. and i think it's and i can understand why but i can also understand that when you do not approach this correction with an attitude of love. It's going to be impossible. And I think when we when we have these kinds of issues, it's important to also view through the lens of love. That you know you can know everything you want, you can be able to speak eloquently and call the pastor whatever they say. But if it's not done in attitude of love, then it means nothing. 
And I think it's it's only through having that attitude of love that you're able to find solutions and even be patient enough to be willing to like you know run go the distance with them um, and to yeah to love them in this way. But I think yeah, it's just sad that not many people actually have that kind of attitude a lot nowadays, especially with this whole consumer approach to church. Yeah, agree. Um. Acts chapter six is the calling of the deacons, correct? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so, can you explain to me how that becomes congregational rule? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for the deacons, um, the elders actually never pick the deacons. The congregation not only comes up with the people, they also decide on the people, and they're all happy with the people. Um, so, it's a congregation that is empowered and leads the church, um, not the elders who's leading the church. Um, so it's your, you let the, the elders vision cast, right? The elders say, we need deacons. This is a need. But the congregation exercises their spiritual muscles and realizes like, hey, yeah, I'm part of the church. This is me, right? We are the body of Christ. And so we've decided these are the people that are best fit their job. How do they decide? Probably they voted, right? Most likely they voted. Um, so that's almost near certainty. And they bring these people in, and they're happy with it. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's it's, man, it's 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 one thing when you read the scripture and you see how things worked out so beautifully. And sometimes you're like, man, I wish that would happen in my church. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I wish, I wish I would have like unbelievable congregants who love the word of God so deeply that they're able to discern. Um, issues and problems and love so deeply that they can see um when a leader or a fellow brother or fellow sister you know walk um in a way that's not in unison to god's word i mean i i I wish uh, for that you know And, and i think the problem is a lot of times people in the church we turn to ravi and carl lentz is because it's more it's a lot easier to receive God's word from somebody else mm. than to actually be the one looking into God's word and letting God do the working in you, right? Mm. And when we have a an atmosphere like that, we create you know this 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 void, this vacuum where I need the next big guy to tell me what's going on, and I'm just gonna trust him because you know what he's. He sounds like he knows what he's doing. He's a good guy. Things going well. Then he speaks with he speaks with conviction and authority, and you know, like he shows some sort of love and character in his life, and he shepherds over me. So I'm just gonna give him a trust. You know, why read the Bible for myself? And I think that's that's probably the biggest problem we see in the church is the lack of people wielding the sword of God. You know, like it's 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 foolish not to. It's foolish not to have the word of God as the the, the the cornerstone, the anchor of your heart and your life. You know, even Joshua one eight. You know, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. The Bible says, right? Meditate on it day and night. But we don't we don't see that much anymore. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, it is a bad thing, but I'm I'm not saying that like uh, as a way of um, like hating on all the pastors because I I know how hard it is for pastors to get their people to open open their Bibles, let alone bring a Bible to church. Right? It's it's one of those things, you know. And so. I ideally 
my wish is if the congregant can rule like that, Holy Spirit, man, Jesus, take the will. I mean, I'll, I'll go. I'll join that church too, right? <laughs> um, but for me, the way which we equipped is my hope is in small, accountable groups where we can read the Word of God together, at least in small ways, right? Yeah. And I and I realized that in discipleship, that way, people feel accountable to one another, and they mm-hmm. they they read the word together and they, they, they at least they battle and they struggle with it not perfectly but they struggle with it and, and I think that's a good step in, in, in our journey and you know like I'm I'm not gonna lie to you I'll, I'll be a little vulnerable I've, I've done a lot of dumb things at this church right and I've done a lot many multiple times you know if you guys are TLC you know right you know and um, I had, and thankfully prayerfully graciously I had good people always call me out right yeah. And um, it's it's I'm humbled by it, but I'm I've I've also come to the place where I realize that's that's what we need. We need yeah. we need groups of people walking with each other in life and doing the doing the word of God together right? as a community. And I I think that that's how I would see. That's how I would I would go about encouraging, equipping you know churches to do it. Like, hey, you gotta. Be closer to one another, invest in each other's life, and you can't invest in the whole, but you can invest in a few guys, a few girls, and you know, do this work together. Yeah, and, I mean, on that note too, regarding just uh, like equipping the members to read, it's also important as leaders to also know when our opinion is our opinion and when what we say is actually from the word. Yeah, and I think that's the distinction that I I personally try to make with. Um, the the boys I disciple is when I'm telling them something I tell them like hey this is my opinion it's not from it's not exactly like from the Bible but but like take it with a grain of salt but like read it for yourself and I think that's something that is it's kind of overlooked um, a lot um, I mean there's a study um, regarding like teachers right and how like in university um, when you rate there's a study that goes around like asking the people to rate the teacher based off like how enjoyable lectures were, right? And how that relates to how well they think they're being taught. Like there are people who, teachers who are taught, who teaches really well, the students are like, oh, he's such a good teacher, right? But then they learn nothing. Mm. But then teachers who were like boring and you no know, monotone and whatnot, right? Yeah. They, the students would say, like, oh, that was such a bad teacher, but they end up learning a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I think that's, you know, Did it's- you feel that, Tony? Yeah. You're the boring teacher? I'm the- Awesome teacher. Uh, <laughs> no wonder that, we learn nothing. That, that, whoa, whoa. That close, uh, no wonder. No wonder. No wonder. We should got to the study. Seminary. What was the seminary called? I'm just kidding. I, I, so, yeah. so much for FVT equipment. That's where I messed up. I'm just yeah. joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. You got pastor. to his seminary, Pastor Tony. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a good word, man. And you're a good closer, dude. You're a good closer for each of these questions. You know, I guess the, that's a good way to end it. Right. Good at fishing, what other people start. Yeah. <laughs> Can't finish those fries. I yeah. got you, bro. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go in and move on to, uh, I think, next kind of question I had about this topic. Um, I think the reason why um, the idea of Ravi um, falling hit us so hard is because we put him in a pestle. That was really high, right? And um, I think. Maybe this is a modern problem. I don't know. But I think uh, lately, uh, there's a lot of people who are falling into personality worship, right? We love the pastor. Um, we don't necessarily love the church. And so you get waves of people who um, would rather listen to their favorite pastor online, 
right? Instead of going to a local church and listening to their local pastor. Um, and um, like with uh, Carl Lentz, right? Like we have people coming in droves to get into his church, um, but they don't really listen to what he says. Um, so how do you think we can avoid this wave of personality worship, like this idea of a celebrity pastor? How we kind of address that as a church? I, mean, I didn't prepare this question. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Two, Two hours. hours of prep, guys. Two hours for five got, sentences. Uh, you guys got the best of that in the first question. Uh, well, I <laughs> Don't worry. Answer this question, the first question. Mm, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm good for this. By the question. way, all these questions are on our phones. That's why we keep looking on our phones, <laughs> <laughs> is not to check our DMs. I was checking. No, it's okay. Um. Oh. <laughs> How many DMs do you have, Kevin? You want you want to tell us about? I'm looking at one. The Can one tell us some of the names. Uh, Kevin Jung, the one who sent all me all these questions. <laughs> oh. These questions were extremely difficult, by the way. I'm just <laughs> must, be very, from a, very, must be from SBC theologian or seminary. They were very. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was not that they were difficult. They were very um, insightful and uh, they were like very deep. And you. so you had to like meditate on it for a little while. Thank you. Thank you. That's so, why so, so, two hours. You, that's, that's a good. That's a good way to say that. That's, that's, a, that's a good way. So difficult. Uh, that's a good way. Uh, KJ, uh, thank you. Thank you for a roundabout way to call it difficult. Help you with that. Thank you. I think I took a stab at this um I, I don't think there's a modern problem i think this is just a sin problem mm. right i think um the human spirit always wants to give something to worship right i think we see that in the the stories of israel and their kings right? they, they wanted a king and god was like but i'm your king mm. you know and he was he was going to give them a king but the thing was they they searched for something else besides god first mm. yeah. and I think the human heart is inclined to worship, and and the problem here is that we want to um, we want to seek for glory, and that glory is not see the, the whole the whole thing about God is that he 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 wants his glory, he wants his glory to be made known, he wants his glory to be to be manifested, he wants he wants us to delight in his glory. But the human spirit, the human, the human condition, is that we want our glory, and so when we have someone as eloquent and as smart as Rabbi Zacharias, we feel kind of glory. How? Because by regurgitating what he says, we feel pretty smart ourselves. Mm -hmm. We find we, we find ourselves like I'm smart, and I know, and we have a confidence about us too. Like I, I know what I'm saying is right because why? Not because of if you challenge me, you yeah, challenge Robbie Zacharias, bro. You're challenging Robbie Zacharias, yeah. bro. And, and then you have someone bro. like Carl Lentz, who's who is um, I mean, I, I see, I heard him speak a couple of times. Very passionate guy, very spiritually, like you know, motivating and very, very deeply, like you know, moving in, in his words and in, in his in his desire and in his way of trying to to communicate truth to people who. Mm is usually turned off by direct communication of how people usually speak, you know, Christianese to others, you know, he, and, yeah. he, and, he, and he, he uses language that, that does that and mm -hmm. and it makes them feel good about the, the scripture. And again, it, it becomes a self-glorifying issue and mm -hmm. and I think that's the problem. I think the problem is we 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 have a problem of glory and we're, we're looking for the wrong, we're looking for glory in all the wrong places. Yeah. And um, how would I you know, how can the church avoid personality worship? Um, I mean, it sounds like a dumb answer, but like worship God. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, oh, that was the yeah, answer. Yeah, was Thanks, the, Pastor. I mean, oh, yeah. Geez. You know, like it's, it's spent two hours on this one. You know, it's, it's SBC question, so I have to give it like, you know. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Gotta, gotta give a Carl answer to his <laughs> Robbie question. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, right, buddy. Let's lay yeah. off that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> you're right. I'll right, right. come after oh, us. Yeah, see, Jay's well, so kind, dude. Okay, Jay's a desert. What seminary did you go to, Tony? Yeah, the best. Oh, Harvard of the West is called a Biola University. <laughs> the uh, Harvard Talbot. of the West. That's like how Cal State Fullerton is the uh, Harvard of Cal State. <laughs> oh, it's like okay. how we call Pasadena UCLA. <laughs> University, University of California on Lake Avenue. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think that's really it. How, how can a church avoid personality worship is that yeah. we, we need to learn to seek for glory in, in, in the one who is the creator, mm-hmm. right? In the one who who sets the boundaries for us and not yeah. in our own creation in our own wanting to, I mean, the story of Adam and Eve is our story. It is a story that I want to create my own unique identifying mark. Mm-hmm. I want to set up my own, um, uh, journey mm-hmm. and we, we inherit that ancestry of Eve, you know, mm-hmm. to go out there and do our own thing and to make our own mark and to find our own glory. And, if we can find that through another person, we will do that. Mm-hmm. We would we would use that person to mm-hmm. bring our own glory to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? and that's um, that's the uh, I mean that's how that's how I see it. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, yeah. I I think back to someone I know who left my church for a cult, and I think back to the ways that you know I interacted with them, and I definitely wasn't gentle in the way I talked to him and the way I led him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's hard to, a lot of times like that, yeah, there's definitely a lot of regrets in that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, a lot of what I did was I, I think I, I, I approached it with a, like, um, I mean, there was love in it and I did care and I did worry, but also a lot of it was a lot of pride as well. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to, um, addressing these things it's important to have like also adds of humility as well mm-hmm. to um when someone is being led astray in this way um to remind gently remind them who god is and to remind them to worship god but in a way that they will understand in a way that yeah that that love is communicated in you know, as we speak that truth yeah so i think yeah there's a lot of you know i agree with you no know, telling remind people to worship god and not to worship these people um, but I think, like you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's part of worshiping God too. Is also as we're worshiping God, is when we're telling people worship God, it's mm-hmm. you know, we do it in a way that's like communicating love that they will understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, there, it would be it could be misunderstood many times, especially when you tell them truth. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's very important that we do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think I agree with a lot of the kind of the uh, I think the focal point that we're kind of getting to here is that worship belongs to God. I think uh, Tony did a great job of kind of like leading us there, right? Um, yeah, and I think I want to use Carl Lentz as kind of like the example here where we kind of see uh, where I think cult of personality can be very detrimental um, because I think for Carl Lentz um, he he, I think, like pushed out an idea. Um, I think uh, through his words, his actions to his congregation, right? Um, 
he he spoke and um i think like from where we see from his uh, sermons like he spoke he doesn't interact with his congregation and kind of a uh, gets out and kind of leaves right um and i think the danger of that is that your sermons become kind of a like the green room like the spotlight right and then you go out and you hang out with the celebrities like you look like a celebrity you start to become like a celebrity to your congregation um uh, so i think like it's important when we have like tony come out and talk with us like eat, eat a meal with us right um because it helps us recognize like hey this object right of is not worth my worship like he's he's someone i'm going to walk with um he's someone that i dearly love um but uh, faith is only as strong as his object and the only object that's worth our faith is christ well i'm curious mm-hmm. um i mean there are i'm thinking you know as how you know pastor tony he is he he comes out to congregation and eats lunch with and spends time yeah, with them yeah. but then you know, there's still some people who do not mm-hmm. are, are scared to like talk to the pastor and so how do we encourage these kind of interactions because the pastor's willing right but yeah. then there's you know this sort of this invisible barrier so how do we encourage congregants to not see the pastor as some you know someone on a pedestal but actually a mm-hmm. person so that when the pastor does come out to reach we encourage they reach back out as well i think um is is not to take yourself so seriously as a pastor and like sometimes um um i I think that the idea of the pastoral um position it has a lot of weight because you are handling god's word and you are caring for god's uh god's sheep right but sometimes it gets to the head and you take yourself too seriously and so it becomes like you know like um intimidating Right, and I think I think that's on the pastor's job to to make himself or herself himself themselves. Whole different conversation. Himself, <laughs> himself, <laughs> make themselves. You know, less um, to take them so seriously. You know, I think that's the problem. Like when you um when when you put your when you make yourself when you take yourself so seriously, it it becomes like you 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 become this your own demon where you're like okay well this is who i am right mm-hmm. i'm the pastor you want to meet with me you gotta schedule a certain certain amount of time right um and you gotta you put you put in these books and i i understand the reason why a lot of pastors do that because they want to safeguard their time for their family and safeguard their time for their own personal um well-being as well and they want to protect that i get yeah. that but I, I think um if we're going off of what KJ is saying is that a pastor should be able to eat. I'm sure Carl Lentz ate with all the celebrity um, congregants, right? So it wasn't like, I mean, he took shots with Justin Bieber. So like, I mean, that's 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 a celebrity, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's 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 that mentality where like, you know, yeah. there's there's to generally say like he doesn't hang out. Oh, he doesn't. Yeah, it's 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 we we have to, we have to approach this in a more um not. We can't generalize things so easily, you know, and, that, and that's, that's the problem. We, when we generalize a person, we we forget that we are ourselves are capable of that. We're capable of the same problem, right? So we and we don't want anyone to generalize us when they when they're talking about us because we're more than just that specific, you know, like a issue. Right? There, there's something more about us, and so I, I think when we are dealing with a Ravi or Carl Lentz and stuff like that. I think it's it's so important to see them as 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 um as a being as a whole rather than specific um, 
nuances of who they are, mm-hmm. right? And I think unless you unless you can begin to process it like that, I think you're gonna have these uh, celebrity worship mentalities, right? You got you gotta see them as a human being, you know, like. Um, it's it's intimidating to know a person or to to think about a person's position, but then when you actually know the person, you're like you're not intimidating at all. Like what the like who are you, right? Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, like it, it's not. And, and I think that's the that's the thing. Like we 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 tunnel vision how we see people, and we 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 generalize how we see them, and then we don't take the nuances of who they are, and then when something like this happens, you know, we we. Z- we zone in onto their issues and we don't even think about like the context of, you know, their families, their children, their upbringing, the, the things that goes on in their lives. And I think, I think that mm-hmm. that needs to be more of the Christian heart is to be able to see the whole, right? Mm-hmm. At least do your best. You're not going to be able to like know everything about them, but at least yeah. take the idea of like, what if I walked in their shoes, mm-hmm. right? Because Jesus walked in mine, mm-hmm. right? To understand me. I can't just just jump in. He he didn't just merely say sinner, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Declare you sinner. Yeah, he didn't just do. He literally walked in the shoes, understand the difficulties of the battle and the journey, and loved us all the more for it. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. there's there's that there's a need for that nuance to understand the, the person as a whole. So I guess kind of to S is what you're saying is basically strive to view people as God views them, but in order to know how God views them is we got it first understand God himself yes yeah I think uh, I think that's kind of like closer for my thoughts on this um, like top the question I think uh, it's hard for me to imagine like keeping the keeping the idea as a whole right like these are images of God like worthy uh, and deserving of respect right and dignity um, it's hard for me to imagine though that like Ravi and Carl Reese's places like overnight right i think i think it's a progression right typically it's very rare that this just happens like overnight right like when you say this you mean like like there's like what what uh yeah the sin that um disqualified them Mm -hmm. right um i think it's a it's a it's a symptom like it grows progresses um so i think uh like john 13 35 we're marked by our love and one of the loves that we show to i think um our brothers and sisters in christ is being able to lovingly rebuke them, right? I, I don't think that should be a harsh thing. I think that's not a judging thing, right? Matthew 18, I think if we do church discipline where we kind of come up to each other and we share our grievances and we share symptoms, right? Um, I think that's that's the loving thing we can do in order to bring them back to Christ. Um, and um, I imagine, um, well, I can only assume with Ravi and Carl, like, for Ravi, maybe the lack of accountability led to that, right? And for Carl, um, maybe that didn't happen as often, right? Um, so I think that's something as a church we can kind of draw from and apply. Yeah, I, I mean, with the whole accountability thing, it's also understanding it's God's means of keeping us safe. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it's there's this weird thing of like this weird dichotomy or split of like, you know, it's my relationship with God. God's gonna keep me safe mm-hmm. and. If I depend on people, then I'm depending on man and not God. But, yo, yeah. God put those people in your life to keep you safe, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's how we persevere is through you know, the means that God's given us, right? Yeah. We don't learn about God just by, like, you know, being still and not thinking about him. But we read, mm-hmm. know about him through his word, through prayer. And Agreed. we are held safe through the people that he put in his life to call us out on these yeah. things. 
Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So moving on. Very good moving on, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, question number four. Uh, what refuge or solace can we give to faithful believers uh, who feel spiritually devastated when their ministry mentors, like Ravi, are disqualified? So, um, so what kind of uh, words of hope that we can give for those people who, you know, um, saw this and like we were talking mm-hmm. about in the beginning, just feel like super spiritually like devastated? Yeah, like we kind of talked about. Yeah, losing sleep for like two days. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we respond, and what kind of words of hope could we give to these people? Yeah. I have. I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> there is no hope. Guys. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. over. <laughs> I, I I can take this one. Yeah. Uh, right, do it. Yeah, I'm just gonna start on my speech. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. You want me razor? Still yeah. blocks a little bit higher. You can. <laughs> I'm a little low right now. Uh, so, um, sorry, I'm like trying to stay awake. <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, I was I was thinking about this question a lot, mm. and it's basically gonna piggyback on everything Pastor Tony was saying in the mm. beginning here. But in terms of solace, is this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I was as I was thinking about this question, the phrase that came up to my mind was. Um, you know the phrase that people say don't do uh as i say or do as i say not as i do right mm. do what i say not as i do mm. and for zacharias for ravi i kind of switched that a little bit and i said uh believe as i say not as i do mm. believe as i say and not as i do and so the solace that I want to give, you know, for people uh, in terms of Ravi and his teaching mm-hmm. is that what he taught, like what Pastor Tony was saying in the beginning was he taught correct things. Mm-hmm. Like the propositions that he he gave about the Christian faith, about Jesus and the defense and the evidence that he gave for the Christian faith, I believe they were all correct. And so um, I, I think in terms of like, the intellectual coherence of the Christian faith, I think you could still hold that together um, even if Ravi did something like this because the proposition does not depend on whether you have the right character. Mm. Jesus being God is true. Tell me how many syllables. That was a big word, proposition. Well, what did I say? I don't, even remember, I don't even remember what I said because I'm just reading. Of character. Uh, yeah. Okay, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot my space. My bad. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So anyways, you know, like the proposition that, you know, Jesus is God, like that doesn't change depending on whether he did this or not. That's just true. And he spoke it and he defended it. And the arguments that he used to defend it is strong. It's tenable. It's sound. So there, like our, our faith in terms of intellectually, what he did was legit. And so I think we can still use his arguments. I think we can still use his, uh, you know, a line of thinking to defend the faith. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, for those of you guys who feel like those of you guys who are watching, who feel like now you have to let go of all the Christian faith and all the things that he taught. I don't think that's true. I think you could still hold them to be true because the propositions don't depend on the character of the person defending it. 
And so that's my first thing that I want to teach you guys is, or I should not teach you guys. Gracias. <laughs> what am I to teach y'all? Grace. I, I receive it. You receive it in <laughs> Jesus' holiness. name. Right. You know, the thing that I want to share with you guys was that mm-hmm. I say that to my kids all the time. The thing that I want to teach you guys, the point is this. Yeah. Um, the share, the thing. You guys are beautiful. You heard my jokes. I'm like trying to stay awake. And so. Uh, yeah, so the thing that the point is for those of you guys who are listening who are devastated, mm-hmm. uh, intellectually, it's good. So you can still hold on to it and you can mm-hmm. use, I believe, his arguments to defend the faith. And so yeah. if your faith, um, like doubts and stuff like that was answered through Ravi Zacharias's answer, good keep it and use it to strengthen your faith and answer your doubts um however i was thinking more about this and i was like you know but it does take away something what does it take away and so the the thought that i had was what ravi did doesn't necessarily take away from the truth of the gospel but rather maybe the transformative power of the gospel and so what i mean by is this like when we imagine people uh who are christians especially of that caliber we imagine them to use the power of god or let the holy spirit help them to work through sin like this Mm -hmm. right we imagine of course like if you are a christian of this caliber then you have used god or not used god but with god uh, overcame these things but it seems like you were you're a christian but you still had this sin then is it true that Christianity does really lead to transformative power? Does it actually help you overcome sin? Does it actually help you, um, you know, overcome sin? And so I think that is the thing that uh, that kind of I started asking myself the question. Yeah. It's not legitness in terms of proposition, but legitness in terms of is it real in the person's life and help them to overcome sin. Um, and it's, it's like the question, like, okay, so it makes sense, but so what? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't do anything for me. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's the intellectual and actual life change, right? And so the so then you know, and piggybacking off of what Pastor Tony said about false teachers, and so this is when the false teachers and the, uh, the conversation comes in, because the pro the, the 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 conditional goes like this: if he is a Christian then he should not have struggled with these things. Especially a Christian of that caliber, he should not have struggled with these things. That's the condition that we have in our head. And so um, in order to protect the Christian faith, what we do is we um, we deny that he was a Christian. Because once we deny that he's a Christian, the fact that he struggled with it, that's okay now, mm. right? So that's why we call him false prophet that's why you dismiss him as a pharisee that's why once and then once we dismiss it we're safe christianity and the transformative power now stays there but like what pastor tony was saying though but do we have that power do we have that power and the judgment and the foreknowledge and the omniscience to proclaim ravi zacharias as a non-christian uh i don't think we do and so um because if he's a non-Christian, then he could he could have done those things. So I, I don't think we could necessarily judge him on those things. And so um, if he is a Christian, he should not have struggled with these things. Um, he struggled with these things. Therefore, he's not a Christian, right? So I don't know if we can, it's a dilemma here. He's a Christian. If he's a Christian, he will not struggle with these things. 
he struggled with these things, therefore he's not a Christian. We don't want to affirm both of these things. Right. It's a dilemma. And so I was thinking, okay, I don't want to affirm both of these things, God. What is the answer? And I was praying to God about this answer. And I felt like God was saying, Jay, uh, the, the purpose of why all of this is happening and what I'm trying to teach you through this is it's, it's the grace of God. It's my grace. Um, and this is the takeaway that I think we should all have as Christians is this, is that God can use somebody like Ravi to impact so many people, to bring them to Jesus Christ. And Ravi's sin and all that stuff, and even in the midst of his brokenness, even in the midst of just his messiness and all that sin that he's committed, he still did a lot of good in terms of bringing a lot of people to Christ. And that's a fact. A lot of people came to Christ because of him, right? And so the, the thing that I think that we can all take away as a church is that even if we're messed up, just like Ravi, mm -hmm. God can still use us because of the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't think the answer is to dismiss him as a Pharisee. Who are we to do that? I don't think we, it's, it's the right thing to diminish the transformative power of Christianity. I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is the grace of God and, that, and, and the fact that God can use broken people to do good work. Yeah. Um, and so that was what I prepared. Good, four man. hours no, good. six good hours that's yeah. a full night 30 of sleep, hours of preparation yeah. right so, there that's good i think the the cool thing here is that um is that um disagreement is healthy right and um i think this would be something that um i would push back on you on i think a little bit on tony i don't know how much of that you're going to affirm later on um but my take is that i think i agree with your conditionals However, I think that um, struggling with sin isn't the same as being unrepentant with sin. So that's kind of like where I would make sure I draw the line in, right? Because I think it's different from like, even if you're a mass murderer, right? And you're publicly confessing these sins, like with a higher the grievance, right? You go tell to a church, Matthew 18. We also see that in First uh, Timothy 5, right? The higher the grievance you tell to the church. And there's clear repentance, um, that's something I did not see in Ravi. I, I agree with grace. Like I think grace is the uh, the power of the gospel, but I think grace comes with repentance, and not just. I, I think it comes with demonstrative repentance. There's a clear turning from sin. There's evidence of you turning from sin, right? It's not just you kind of saying the magic words. Um, so I think the transformative power of the gospel is safe. Um, because I think the transformative power of the gospel lies in sanctification, which lies in constant confession. Um, so, I I think uh, I think it's good to disagree about this. But uh, I would hold that I think Ravi, because he was unrepentant, for me would lead towards being an unbeliever or potentially a false prophet. Right. Um, let me yeah. let me find a thought exercise for you guys. Yeah. Let's let's, let's use um. King David as an example here. Okay, let's say you know David he slept with another man's wife, completely committed adultery. He did. I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> he. And was bashing. And then he he ended up killing that guy to uh, cover up for his crime when she got pregnant, uh, which is murder. Right? And then went unrepentant about it for about a year. Thought exercise. What if he died before Nathan came? And rebuked them. 
do you would you say at that moment David is no longer a man after God's own heart? If he was unrepentant for a year and he was hardened to the point. No. Right. Well, the thing is, before Nathan had a chance to rebuke him. Yeah. Right? And because we knew that when Nathan rebuked him, yeah. his heart was repentant, right? Yeah. And then and then he wrote, you know, Psalm fifty one, you know, mm -hmm. creating me a clean spirit, oh God. Yeah. Right. But let's say before he even went to the place of writing that psalm, yeah. he died. Would we say that this man is no longer a a man of God or a man of the God's own heart? So Oh, I'll have you guys answer. I can kind of give my take. Yeah. According to Molinism, <laughs> <laughs> since yeah. that is a non, that's a non-situation because that would have happened. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's I. I mean, yes, it's a thought experiment. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, one thing I come back to is that God so loved him that I mean, that He kept him alive so that He can reap. He can repent, so He can come be called out for it, mm. and and so I. I mean, it's. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to really, you know, say, like, kind of play along with this thought experiment because, you know, that's yeah. not how it happened. And so, but also at the same time, like, with the whole Ravi thing, I can't definitively say if he was Christian or not, right? Because mm -hmm. that's just not my place. And I can look at all the fruits and all that, but in the end, it's still, it's still not up to me, right? That that kind of knowledge and judgment is not on me, right? Um, and I... I think when it, I mean, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, I think I, I definitely resonate with what Kevin was saying to the point. If it really was the case that he was truly just unrepentant and just uh, to the point where like maybe even in his heart, he like rejected Christ. Um, yeah, I think in that case, we're safe to say, yeah, like he was not a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, we still uphold the transformative power of the gospel yeah. um and so I, I think if we can definitively say that he was not repentant mm -hmm. uh even like even the secretness of his heart where he's like he like i because there's a lot of times for us to like we'll like continue to give into that sin but in our hearts we're just like this sucks mm -hmm. and i i just i i wish there was a way out you know and you know maybe ravi zachariah is not like going out and seeking for more help, maybe evidence to the fact that he might have not have had that heart. My question, I, I, it's just, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I just don't know, and I don't know if we can know. Yeah, and I so. think that's that's the right place to be at. But okay, what would you think? Um, yeah, I think that there's there's a there's an answer to that, and I think there's a uh, church corporate application from that. I think, uh, I think, for David's case the reason what Nathan said resonated so strongly with him is that his conscience was affected, right? Um, which signals that there was um, there was guilt and there was like a level of, I think, repentance. And uh, that was leading up to that point, right? Um, I think what this story differs from Ravi is Ravi didn't persist in one sin and act guilt over it, right? Uh, he you, may have, he may I, have. Okay, so I'll take that, that back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he may have. But I think... It's different from a man who kills one person, right? And has, you know, potentially guilt over that, right? It's different if he kills a person and he continues killing, right? And he continues in that lifestyle, right? He has evidence in his house and he says things like, I'm going to kill you because the Lord brought you to me, right? I think these 
elevated actions kind of help me lean towards again like for sure it's not definite i can't completely dismiss him as a christian right maybe he did confess we don't know right but i think i think uh if if anyone is acting as the embassy for the kingdom of god it should be the church right and i can't definitively sure i can't place whether he's a christian or not right but from what i see from his fruits right now this is what it's leading me towards which is why i'm going to put my flag there um, I think the corporate application for this is um, I think the thing that scares me the most about being a pastor um, by far right now is uh, I'm scared that someone will go through under I think my uh, pastoralship thinking that they're a Christian and go to hell deluding themselves that they're a Christian um, that scares me because I think that's on my hand like I, I think that's I had a responsibility right to be accountable for this person's soul and uh i think the way to best weaponize against that is to tell someone hey i think you're not saved or i think you're saved uh, i think that's just us exercising the keys of the kingdom in matthew 18. Um, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven we're not making the laws but we're the judge and we're trying to proclaim what we see as fruit um, but then like yeah. the thing is we're talking about a dude who's dead already and we're trying to yeah. like judge his salvation. That's yeah. So based off what we see in his fruit as best as possible, yeah. we're trying to give an answer, right? So just mm -hmm. like how if I had to give a court case, right? Based off the evidence, this is what I'm ruling, right? I can error, I can be wrong, yeah. but based off the evidence, this is what I'm leaning towards. But I guess like in terms of application, like corporately, it's yeah. you know we're dealing like we are dealing with live people mm -hmm. who are still alive. Yeah, which is yeah. why I don't think Carl Lentz yeah. is like I don't think he's unsaved. Like if he comes to <laughs> yeah. repentance, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean it's um, yeah with we it is our job like when we see people with like the fruits that do not are not in accordance with repentance or not mm -hmm. fruit of the spirit, then yeah we should call call up admonish the idol. Yeah, and with all patience. So, but yeah, I mean, with, I mean, this whole, I, I think we are, it seems like we're like drawing too much out of this whole, like, you know, whether or not this dead dude is saved or not. Mm -hmm. um, and really missing the point of like, what do we do now with the people who are still here? Yeah. Right. And it's, and just coming off and just like spending all this time like judging his salvation. It's, I don't think it's fruitful in how we can bring solace to those who are in our midst right I now. I agree. And I think that's, um, that's that's exactly where the conversation is is that if we, if we if we were to use these guys as an example then the solace comes with the idea that i would say is repentance is is is, is such an important part of the christian life right and i would i would even use this picture because i i think I, i've ministered to enough people to know um that there is willingness in the heart but there is repetitiveness in the sin mm -hmm. right and even even paul says like i battle though i do not want to do what i do i still do mm -hmm. right and um and i i think the solace is it's okay to battle and it's okay to struggle and it's okay to fight and it's okay because in the battle in the struggle in the fight is it's 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 your it's your spirit saying the affection that's now given to you because of the Holy Spirit now living in you, that affection is overcoming that temptation that is that is being uh, administered to your to your flesh, right? 
and it's it is that affection that's going to outcompete that come and and it's 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 you fighting and and and, and struggling with that to that journey um for Ravi Zacharias I would say like you know I I don't know his his life but what I would tell people is like don't give up on your battle right don't give up on the struggle right because the promise of the scripture the promise of scripture is that um Jesus is the first fruit meaning what is true of him is true of us and there will be a day where your sin will be overcome by the power of the holy spirit mm-hmm. and there will be a day where you will um stand where there's no more tears no more guilt no more shame right and there will be a day where you will stand before God and realize man God was working in my life the whole time even in the midst of my guilt and my shame and so if you're in a place where you find yourself like Rabbi Zacharias struggling with sexual sin struggling with sexual misconduct my 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 pastoral um advice would be don't stop struggling keep it up right keep fighting it and there's going to be a day where there will be days where you don't want to fight it anymore and you want to just kind of give into it but as as long as i believe that the holy spirit is alive in you he will bring you back home moving again the only sad thing i have with Ravi Zacharias is that he didn't live long enough to see that part happen or at least for us to confirm that to happen right and i don't know right so i don't want to make a call on on him but my 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 uh my pastoral advice would be don't let the sin continue. don't don't be fooled that temptation somehow means that you're disqualified don't be fooled to believe that you who are in the midst of this battle for your for, in your sin is somehow that you are no longer loved by the king right mm-hmm. um you got a battle and you got to go to war and you got to struggle and it's in the struggle it's in the battle that we see the power of the holy spirit work right and so that's what i would say in terms of the situation to give you know in type of solace to people yeah if you're struggling with this then know that the song is still alive the story's not over yet mm-hmm. and and that, I, I think that goes for like you know i mean we, we, we maybe to some extreme but you know like if, if we can be a little more clear you know like struggles of, of, of brothers of pornography yeah. right? struggles of lust so, i mean th- those are real struggles right that i'm very sure many brothers are out there who are i don't want to but i can't stop i don't want to but i can't and this is struggle that keeps going and the answer is don't let it for a moment feel like you've lost because if god is with you you haven't lost right the fact that you're even struggling tells me that there's an affection in your heart that God has placed there to go to war with the temptation that's trying to eat at your flesh. And the fact yeah. that you're even confessing to me about it too, exactly. like, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So like even your weakest moments, you're still more than conquerors through Christ. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, any last words of hope that you want to offer? I think we should end it here. I think the last two questions kind of like, eh. Yeah, right? hope, yeah. They're hope. not eh, but like, you know, they're, 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 they're good questions. I just, I feel like we should end on hope yeah. rather than, I, you know, like. <laughs> well, I, I want to share a little bit about, you know, my experience with that pastor who, who, um, who was caught. Mm-hmm. 
he ended up you know writing a letter open letter talking about how much shame he's brought to the gospel and mm. he said and then you no know, he, he he confessed it all and he <laughs> shared and he talked about you know how even though he didn't deserve it his wife continues to be with him and they're working through it yeah. and so i mean praise god that he was still able to confess it and yeah. mm. um and he stepped down and everything and now that, that church has a new pastor mm. but something that i was wrestling through was like this this guy he when he got caught that wasn't the first time he committed adultery he did it at a different church and all of this time this whole like you know eight years span he was holding that in right mm. and and so for a minister for a pastor like this kind of sin devastates your whole career you have no, like you really have nothing like no other you're done you're done you're done yeah, yeah. and so it made me think and I, at first, though, selfishly, I'm like, oh man, now I don't have his sermons anymore, right? I, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but then then I thought, no, God loved this man so much, and He loved his sanctification and his purity, and desired it so much that He would be willing to devastate him and destroy his ministry just so this man can turn back to Him. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the extent of God's love—that God would be willing to take away something that it's so it's so good. Yeah. Right and would probably bring him a lot of glory and bring people to him, but God was willing to sacrifice all that so that this one sheep can come back to Him. Yeah. And though that's the kind of love that God has for us, and so you know, even if you're struggling, I mean, this is for myself too, right? I know that. I mean, in the in the moments I sin, right, I'm scared that I'm gonna have things taken away from me. Right. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's for my good because mm-hmm. God loves me. He's a father who disciplines his children because mm-hmm. He loves them. And so mm-hmm. for any of us. You know, as long as we're still breathing, right? We still have a chance to experience that kind of disciplining love. Okay. Last words? Yeah, I think um, the two solaces and hope that I think we can draw from this is first, I think Jay is right in the idea that the truth of the gospel doesn't hinge on anyone. It hinges on Christ. Um, so, uh, quoting Richard Sibbs, uh, God's mercy is greater than our sins. And um, every one look that we have in ourselves, we should look 10 times to Christ. Um, um, I think the uh, other verse I just kind of want to read out is Matthew 12, um, 18 till the end of 20. Or actually, uh, just 20, I guess. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. Um, so I think if you're a smothering wick who's struggling with constant sin or you feel um, you're, um, you're on a constant onslaught right, where you're struggling, you're fighting, um, I think there's faith in that God's not going to break you off um, just because like, you aren't producing fruit. He's not going to put you out. Um, and he's going to walk with you. He's going to work with you. Um, and um, yeah, kind of like what Tony said, you're uh you're putting your faith in the idea and the knowledge that uh, that Christ has overcome death, has overcome sin, and uh, you will find yourself in victory with him. Amen. And I think that's a great place to end for our word of the week. I have no idea how long this is going to be, but... Uh, that was definitely more than one word <laughs> this week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Any so, words of the uh, week? A yeah. hundred word for the week. All right. For the next ten weeks. Thank you.